It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Super Draft Breakdown Show, where we're going to be going over some master stuff. Yeah, that's right. It's that wonderful time of year where everyone watches golf and eat pimento cheese sandwiches. I know I will be. I don't watch a ton of golf, but I watch just enough to really enjoy it and know what's going on. And it is Masters Week. I don't care. I will blow off all my work any given day during Masters Week. And that's entirely fine with me because yeah, it's just, just a great time. Great tournament. Absolutely beautiful. But we're going to be breaking down everything over on Super Draft for this Masters tournament. Mint. If you haven't signed up yet, sign up using promo code GRINDERS. Get a nice little deposit bonus. Plus, on top of that, an instant bonus that can be used immediately in tournaments. So I think the current deal is $25. Devin can tell me if I'm right or wrong or whatever. You can check in the link to this. He'll have it up there. But I think it's $25, and you get a $25 match immediately, which you can be thrown into tournaments. So you want to throw a few of those entries into the albatross over on super draft ten thousand dollars to first twenty five dollar entry that's out of your range guess what they got smaller contests they got a five dollar contest a two hundred dollar contest a two dollar contest a nine dollar contest they got cash they got boosters they got everything from a to z they even got a free tournament that guess what I think you can enter 150 times. It actually might be a 25 cent tournament. Yes, it's 25 cents. So no matter what your budget is, they've got what you want over there. So go ahead, get signed up using promo code grinders. I'm joined by a guy who knows far more than me about golf, and I'm excited to hear his thoughts on it. Tyler Tambolin, aka Toe Tag and Tambo, I believe. How you doing over there, buddy? I'm doing good, man. So in a minute, good to get back on a show with you. Like you said, it's a tradition unlike any other, as they say, the masters were here. I don't know if I'll have any of the pimento cheese sandwiches kicking around, although I definitely want to try one at some point, but I'm definitely excited. The masters is one of my favorite times of year, by far my favorite major. I think most people's favorite major. And I love talking golf. And like you said, so much going on over at super draft, a lot of great tournaments. I was checking it out. Some great prize payouts, you know, the multiplier is just another advantage or thing that you can utilize that we're going to talk about here today to use to your benefit to be able to get a leg up on the field so when you know knowing about golf is great but i'm happy to be on with you because you know a lot about super draft and if we can combine and mind meld here and do this thing we might be able to get some winners for the people yeah yeah no i've definitely played more than my fair share of super draft um and guys the promo is deposit over 50 get a 50 dollars instant deposit plus 100 deposit match bonus so you bet put in 500 you get 50 that can be used right away plus four percent drip on the deposit match bonus so get on in there but i made a nice little spreadsheet here um using rg's projections so like if you've played on super draft before essentially you get six golfers 
play anyone, literally anyone. It doesn't matter. Some Everyone has a multiplier, so whatever score, they end up using super draft scoring. At the end, multiply it by the multiplier here. So Thomas is projected for 81.7 points on RG projections according to super draft scoring. Multiply that by one, you get 81. But a guy like, I don't know, let's say John Rahm, projected for around the same multiplied by 1.05, he's actually the better player. So if they end up with the same exact amount of points, John Rahm actually has the higher score because of that multiplier. So 1v1s can make all the difference in the world on this site. So you want to be, make sure that every single guy counts. There's no throwaway spots. You can't really come back if one of your golfers ends up just absolutely doing terrible in some of these tournaments. You need to have close to the optimal unless there's a guy that's very low and that comes out of nowhere. But predominantly on the site, you see a lot of the low multiplier guys. So Justin Thomas is probably going to be the chalkiest guy on the entire slate. And he projects fairly well, but he's going to be chalky just because he's the highest chance of winning. We have RG's projections. We have him at 7.76% chance of winning, 30% to make the top five, 96.47 chance to make the cut. So all these are kind of aggregates running a hundred or so, or a thousand, or I don't even know how many scenarios. I think Noto's in charge of that. And he's a smart guy. But using our projections, they run a whole bunch of different scenarios. And this is just the median outcome. So with these multipliers, with the higher payout up top, you can get Justin Thomas winning by like four strokes on this. But because of the way that things go, because of the multiplier, you can get a guy a 1.65x multiplier that ended up in 20th place with the same amount of points as Justin Thomas or more, depending on how the tournament goes. The multipliers favor more. So... Tambo, you know majors, like, obviously the U.S. Open is, what, the wing scores on a good year or with a tough course around par, right? Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a much tougher scoring environment. The Masters this year, uh, being that it's in April now, the November one, DJ won it with 20 under. This year, I'm, you know, I'm called this year, it's just six months removed or close to it. In April, the normal time, uh, it should be a lot harder. First of all, they've already said it's running fast and firm. There was an amateur event there last week, ladies event where they were sort of having a mini set up there and it definitely looked pretty crispy. So uh, I would expect that. And then also I expect them to want to make it harder. They've got a lot of flack for quote unquote, allowing that to happen and allowing someone to tear up every record that they've got. Their guys had, you know, records through days. Cam Smith set a record. D- DJ set a record. There was a bunch of stuff happening that people expect to be harder. So I would expect the scoring conditions to be much more difficult this time around. Yeah, so like, if we're expecting what what would you, I, I try to remember the past? Obviously, it's been anywhere from like what. Right, minus I, four I think if you're looking for a score here, we're thinking like twelve under, thirteen under, something like that. Seems like what would be someone gets to that. Keep in mind that means it could be minus ten or worse for the guys behind that. So yeah, you're thinking like minus ten, maybe a couple more strokes just because. Yeah, so like in situations like this, the multiplier is not as important in tournaments where you're shooting what twenty five, thirty under. Um, the winner shoots that in a four-day tournament because it's a super easy course. The multiplier means less. It's more about scoring position. Obviously, the multiplier, if the highest multiplier guy ends up winning it, it's a huge advantage. But the multiplier means less and less as the scores get lower and lower. And it means more and more as the scores are closer to par because you get one point for par, two points for birdies, minus one for bogeys, and then minus two for doubles, four for an eagle. And you also get the bogey-free round bonus and the three birdie streak um but you get 15 points to first so realistically based on the law of averages and how things go out and all our projections a lot of this multiplier score is um them getting pars them getting birdie kind of projecting for like 10 under eight under for justin thomas but 
if the winning score is four under, then you, the guy likely ended up with 40 points from non-finishing position. So 40 points for non-finishing position is going to be worth a decent amount compared to the 15 points that go to bonus that goes to first. Whereas if the inning score was around minus one, minus two, even something like that, then they're probably ending up with around 20 points. Whereas first place gets you 15 point bonus. So guys that don't make the cut can end up outscoring some guys that do by a decent amount just because of the multiplier. Yeah, that, that's you know, everything you just said, but also too, I think you know one of the points you brought up and we'll talk about, I'll pick your brain too for a little bit of the strategy factor, just the obvious being at the top. I mean, these are, if all things being equal and our projections were 100% accurate, then it's easy to put together the optimal lineup and say, here you go, I've got it. Uh, looking at that, I just want to see quick, Grant, if you go by the, what ours says is the, sort of the point scoring. I think you and I talked just off air a little bit beforehand, but do you need the winner? That's my question. Because at the end of the day, we, we just saw the guys that are likely to actually be up there. John Rom, JT, Bryson DeChambeau. Of course, all these guys can win this tournament and maybe these guys don't. But if our projections were 100% accurate, again, they're not, but let's just say they were, it looks like you could have these guys all be in the, you know, that would be your optimal lineup. You play any six guys you want. And if John Rom wins it, maybe he doesn't, uh, but it equals to those points. These guys could still be in the lineup and not him. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the best way to, yeah, you're right. The best way to kind of describe it is um, for Telly 1.55 X multiplier projects out as the best point guy on the entire slate based on running the uh, projections a hundred times or running the simulation a hundred times. So he's at 96 points. So 1.5 on average at 1.5, he's averaging around 60 points. Whereas Justin Thomas is averaging 85 points, I believe. Um, let's see. Uh, where was he at? Justin JT. 81, I think. 81. Yeah, 81. So for Telly, averaging around 22 points under. So that's like assuming that he makes the cut 83% of the time here. So 16% of the time is probably going to end up around 15 to 20 points. And then 83% of the time is going to end up around 40 to 80 points. Um depending on where he ends up like 17% of the time, he'll be up in the top 20. So yeah, you don't need the winner like JT or DJ last year um, shooting 20 under, even though he was one or 1.05 X, I can't remember. He was kind of needed because that score was so low. I mean, you think about it literally, let's say that the uh, what's it called? The winning score was what? Minus 10. DJ, I think, ended up with 103 points at 1.05x multiplier. If the wing score is minus 10 as compared to minus 20, then he's at 90 points, whereas a guy that finished, yeah. if Fertelli finished like minus 5, then he's at 96 points, probably, if he ends up in the top 5. So a top 5 in a higher scoring tournament um, or low lower under par tournament, I, I, don't, I can't remember the exact words, um, is going to be more important than a 1x guy in a tournament where he ends up winning at minus 20. Like that, that's basically it. So you're kind of, if you're saying that the greens are running fast and the low, the winning score is probably going to be around uh, minus 10, then the win is less important than it normally is. Yeah. And I agree. And what you just said makes perfect sense too, with the DJ scenario it was 20 under. So that would be the reason why when DJ, if DJ wins this time, I just said, when, I mean, obviously foreshadowing, but if DJ wins this time, it might be at 12 under or, or 10 under or who knows, right? Like it could be a much different number. Funny enough for Telly, you've got there sort of our best value based on multiplier and everything. He did come fifth 
with an 11 under score at the tournament that DJ just won at 20 under the masters in, in November. So uh, Fratelli was definitely in the mix. I don't know if that will be the same case here and looking at our projections and bringing it across with the multipliers. I personally think the best value play on the board is Ryan Palmer because he's yes, he's slightly less and these are our projections and so on and so forth, but maybe he goes a little bit overlooked there. If everyone's going to click on Fratelli based on using our stuff and other stuff and think back to the event where Fratelli came through in fifth, most recently, if everyone wants to play on that angle, uh, look at the numbers, look at the win, look at the top five, look at all these other things. And he's, he's right there with them. And then you talk about harder course conditions, uh, you know, who makes less mistakes, obviously bogey, is going to dock these guys a point, double bogey even more. So uh, I think that Ryan Palmer is one of the best value plays on the board, just looking at this right out of the gates at 1.4 there for 93.46. Yeah, no, I think that's a great thing. Like the big difference, like Fratelli obviously can make it into the top 20. We have him currently projected at 17% and likely going to end up far enough under or slightly under um, par over time for the course, which, I mean, you get 18 points. If you shoot par, Literally, if you shot par, not including the bogey-free bonus, um, with zero birdies over the course of four days, that's 72 points uh, just because par is one. So super draft scoring also kind of favors the guys that are more consistent, that aren't getting birdie, bogey, birdie, bogey, birdie, bogey, because a birdie and a bogey is one point total, so two minus one, where two pars is actually two points. So it favors consistency. So the big thing is that... uh, With these guys, we want them to end up in the top five because 15 points to first, if you're getting a 1.5x guy, 15 points to first is the same as being a 1x guy. Uh, 1.5x guys, if they get fourth, they're getting 10 points. If they get seventh or eighth at 1.5x, they're getting roughly 14 points, 13 points, 12 points, uh, depending on where they're at. So looking at our projections, we see that like, Palmer has a 7.55% chance at top five, meaning that he'll get the bonus of nine to 15 points, uh, depending on where he ends up scoring in that or ends up placing in that top five. Um, I, I really need to learn names Kokrak. for golfers more. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to, I almost, I almost messed up there. Um, Kokrak, <laughs> 8.44% chance at a 1.35x. Now his top five is worth roughly the same amount as a win for JT, slightly less. But when you consider that if he's in the top five, then he probably shot six under at 1.35x. Like you're guessing that he ended up with roughly five, six, seven. Like if you just go straight up off birdies and he misses the lead by three strokes, then that's six points. So he ended up with six less points than JT. If JT ended up winning at 10 under and he ended up getting fourth or fifth at minus seven. And you kind of do the math on that and he's gained 15 points. 16 points on JT, even though JT won, because the placing is almost the exact same in terms of how many points they ended up getting. But all the strokes, all the birdies, all the pars are multiplied by 1.4. So they're worth drastically more. If that kind of makes sense to you, that add up. It does. And just to clarify for some, because we'll call it the other sites, just we won't name names, but you know, when you're looking out there, a couple of points you just made that I'm cross-referencing now in my mind is that one, uh, most other sites, the birdies and the Eagles are worth a lot more. So they are the advantage there is to go. You'd much rather have someone who goes birdie Eagle 
double bogey because it doesn't matter because the bogeys and double bogeys barely hurt you when you're getting so many points for the Eagles and the birdies. That's not the case here. It's four points for an Eagle, not seven or eight. It's, it's two points for a birdie, not three plus or in showdown in some cases, five plus. So you, you have all those factors. And then also you just mentioned another great point, Grant, which people need to look at is first is 15 points. Second is 13. Third is 11. Fourth is 10. So I encourage you to go beyond just me citing off the scoring rules but to go look at that and see that's the difference. Whereas on some of the other sites, there could be a 10 point gap between finishing first and finishing second. So the multiplier is huge here. And then to your point of consistency, and when we know it's going to be a tougher track than, than the November setup, and we know that these guys are, you know, can blow up and make mistakes. I'd much rather certain guys in this range of like a Palmer, Kokrak, Scheffler, Cam Smith, Answer, ZJ, and skip over, even though some of these guys look like better values with the projections there is more of a chance of them blowing up and one, not making the cut and two really affecting your scoring in the long run. That keeps it much. It makes it much more tough for them to keep pace with the, the JTs and the ROMs and outdoing them to what your point was that you just made there around that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely important. I mean, every single, every single tournament's different, but you kind of get like, I, I pretty much play over on super draft every single masters. And then during during quarantine, as soon as golf came back, of course I was playing because what else was I going to do? There was nothing else going on. I yeah. bet a decent amount of golf on golf and actually made a decent amount of money, mostly thanks to the uh, the game or the match two. With nah, that was just fantastic. And match three was also <laughs> fantastic. That was right when sports betting finally came to Colorado. So hopped on, signed all the site, signed up for all the sites, and pretty much got like all their boosts and all their bonuses because they were just trying <laughs> to get everyone signed up and just made a boatload of money on it, not knowing nearly as much about golf, but just looking at RG stuff. And I mean, you pretty much just read Noto stuff and, or I generally just read Noto stuff and he's already gotten me to golf live final, just based off of his projections, based off of his research. But yeah, for this one, for super draft, I'm going to kind of go through a few things. So looking at these high multipliers or high multiplier scores, I'm going to go with made cut. I'm going to find the largest multiplier for a guy that's projected to make the cut at we'll just go with arbitrarily 93 percent. so scheffler and cameron scott we look at their made cut compared to their win projection compared to all these things pretty similar with both of them but drastically higher and so they're at 90 percent uh, mul- or 90 multiplier and 89 which obviously 96 at the top overall uh do you play much cash for golf I've done a lot, but just sensing it, like I could see why you would obviously plug them in based on what you're saying. And not only that, they're really talented golfers. And if you go look at their prices over on other sites, they're much higher than, than what you would expect. So there's certainly guys I could see plugging in based on that answer being the other guy who I brought up earlier, right there below at 89 fits the mold as well. Like those three to me seem like they jump off the page. And then Corey Connors, when you went up as well, just at the top there uh, is a hot topic this week. He's, he's up even further with 88 there these are just the guys that most people are going to plug in and for good reason makes a lot of sense and then maybe i don't know would you would you take those two and then plug in two of the top dogs at the top like rom and jt and that's how you'd get there or what's sort of your setup for your line of construction being that you know that with the setup you just did there for cash based on the projections like obviously this is very early on i want all six of my guys to make the cut and obviously we're 71 percent chance of making cut like obviously can be a little bit more consistent is I'm guessing like I don't know a ton about golf but Weir is generally a guy that's not going to be going like double bogey eagle like get a whole bunch of birdies he's is he fairly consistent 
Oh, no, this is a one that I would say not to play. This is like a, this guy is a, a former winner. He's a Canadian, so I got to have love for him, but uh, not someone I could see going off here or anything. Like, like I said, I would definitely play Palmer or Kokrak before him and all the numbers line up as well. And they're actually better. He just has a good multiplier. So of course, that's why he's going to pop. Also should note too, just for those that maybe don't know, there, so there's 88 guys in the field, probably 70 to 75 are even playable because you do get some of the older guys and the past champions and things that can't even, there's just no chance of them even getting there. And if you go down to the bottom of the made cut percentages or however you want to look at it, whichever method, uh, scroll to the bottom, you'll see some of those. We need to get a projection there for CT Pan, but like, you know, all these guys, Ian Woosnam, Sandy Lyle, Maybe you could take a shot on Freddie Couples. I always give him some love, but there's some other guys down there that just aren't going to do their thing. And so those guys are out of it and it's top 50 and ties. They've got rid of the 10 stroke rule, but when there's only really 70 to 75 guys in play, if you will, and then 50 plus ties are getting through, like people are a lot more likely to make the cut. So I would almost go back to the top where you were Grant, and maybe we could look at it by the top 20 instead of the make the cut and then try and look for those green numbers across the board. If you sort it by that, because if 50 make the cut, the top 20 is seemingly going to be a lot more important here for not only how they scored to get there, but uh, you know, their, their percentages lining up. And, and again, it's still the same guy, Scheffler, Smith, answer Connors, uh, Daniel Berger down a little ways for a, a higher end play, but for top twenties, those are the four guys that have a 40% or better chance sitting in the top 10 or top 15 of the multiplier range. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's probably where we're going. Um, interesting one, Streb. Don't know much about him. Seventy-one uh, percent chance of making the cut. Still at a one point six x multiplier. We see that he only has a six point two or six point five percent chance of actually getting in the top twenty. But realistically, he doesn't need to get in the top twenty. I mean, what's the difference between fifteenth and twenty second? Probably one to two strokes. Is that about right. Yeah. It's pretty close, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So like the difference between 15th and 30th, let's say that was a two stroke difference. That's literally two points based on just someone got an extra birdie over par. Um, So that's two birdies uh, instead of two pars. That's two points plus uh, 15th, 16th to 20th and only pay gives you two points 21st to 25th only gives you one point so you're essentially sacrificing four points over two stroke 20 uh different 20 rank differential in terms of place so you're giving up four points let's say that someone goes for 60 and then the guy in 15th place goes for 65 64 like 0.1 multiplier is actually giving you a two point edge there uh, 0.2 point multiplier or a, yeah 0.2 x multiplier is giving you an eight point edge so looking at top 20 and looking at made cut you pay attention more to the made cut percentage than you do the top 20 percentage as the multipliers get higher because you just want to get them through like the difference between 11th and 25th is not going to be that drastic and if 50 make it through the cut like those extra one two three points aren't as valuable as it is like with Fratelli at a 1.55 X multiplier, only 17% chance of making the top 20. Whereas he has a higher projection than Scheffler who has a 42% chance of making the top 20, but only a 13% chance of being the top five. Yeah, I I agree. I just, like I said, for here, the the cut, the made cut is going to be a lot easier. Uh, It's not, it's easier said than done, I should say, but at the same time, it's definitely going to be easier than at most courses where only, you know, 65 guys on 156 
are getting through, that makes it a lot tougher. So like knowing golf and knowing who Streb is, even if he made the cut, the guy could absolutely blow up over the weekend. I'd be much higher to, likely to take a guy like Fratelli at the top or even going back down. If you just scroll down to where Streb was, and you can give me your thoughts on this, but you know, above him there, you could take Stewie Sink, who's almost double him in all the metrics, who has some distance, got a win just recently in the spring, sort of the, the fall swing. So I think he'd be an interesting play and you're only losing 0.1 on the multiplier. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes, still shows up as a higher likelihood to make the cut and better numbers across the board. And I actually think if you look at like, you know, 1.5 Bernhard Longer is up above him, but I think those numbers are more likely Stewie Sink's numbers. So you could almost, you know, where they both have good made the cut, Bernhard Longer is not almost 1% chance to win this tournament. To me, he's like a 0% chance. He could show up and have a good week, but the likelihood of him even having a shot to win this thing should be lower. So I'm kind of learning it at the same time, but also seeing what I know and trying to put that all together. And hopefully that's helpful for people. But I just, you know, we're on the same page. I just think, like you said, that's where I would say, okay, I'll play for Telly over Streb. But if I had to choose at the top, I'd probably leave a little bit of the multiplier out and risk Palmer or Kokrak because these are projections are if these numbers actually happen. I think there's a much higher likelihood someone like Palmer makes so many less mistakes, makes the cut, could even compete or contend for you know a top 10 here at this tournament. And the numbers showed as well. He's 15% top 10 to Fratelli 7%. It's got to be close, but Fratelli could blow up completely as well. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we, we see it, 83 83- 0.3% chance of making a cut. And obviously that goes into the older guys who are playing. If it's top 50 of what is it an 80 person field or 75? I can't remember. It's, this year it's about 88, the way it shook out. And then, like I said, there, there's probably at least 10 guys you can knock off right out of the gate and just say, there's just no chance. Uh, and again, those cut numbers show it down at the bottom. There's yeah. if you're not likely to make the cut when 50 plus ties get through 88, you're probably not in, in contention. So you can slim your pool down pretty quick and then start using this chart to make your decisions and some of the conversation we've had around it to start making your picks but you can yeah. play anybody right it's any six guys yeah so like we have the obvious one for telly um weir langer sink um ortiz being the guys that have clear high multiplier even streb have a high multiplier um, but let's look at some other guys that are probably going to come in a low ownership because a lot of people use projections, like especially over on Superdraft, a lot of plays, people use projections and they'll yeah. know immediately that those are mispricings. But if we look at the top 10, let's see if we can find some higher multipliers that have a chance at the top 10. Because like I said, you get end up in 10th place, you still get four points. But if you end up in seventh, you get seven at 1.6x multiplier, that's 13 points plus all the strokes that go into it. So looking down here for potential guys that could end up in the top 10 or actually let's go top five um, at high multipliers guys that have a real chance to absolutely crush here. We saw these same guys. Um, Todd and Hartman have some of the best chances at a one point have the best chances at 1.3 X multiplier. Would you be looking into them at all? Cause obviously we haven't projected for 1% chance of winning it 7.21 and 7.17% chance of being in the top five, which at this multiplier in comparison to Justin Thomas, Justin Thomas wins it. Hartman or Todd end up in the top five. They have likely outscored him by at least seven or eight points over on Superdraft. Yeah. And it, because it's so close in the scoring potential, like you said, like a 10th is four points, a 20th is two. I know that's only two points, but I definitely see Harmon and Todd as guys that can finish in the top 20 here, if not higher, even a top 10 is definitely possible. And that's where I was trying to sort of ask you earlier. And just my thoughts on like, I don't like longer. I'm not playing. I don't care if he shows up 
good for him. I kind of hope people go to guys like Longer and Streb because of the multiplier, because I just don't think there's any chance in comparison to guys like Harmon and Todd, who I actually think have hope here. For Telly, I like. I'm with you there, but I would leave Weir out completely again. He's almost like a Longer to me. If they surprise and shock, then so be it. But I'm willing to sacrifice slightly. Like Longer right there, I'll absolutely play Ortiz and Munoz over him all day. And not only do the top 20 and top 10 numbers show it, but the overall points are right there with him on those twos. But hopefully people play longer because they get a little bit more multiplier, but he might not even make the weekend. Look at the cut, 75% versus 87 and 85. So that's where you'll have to make some pivots, but I'm absolutely I'm absolutely in on Harmon and Todd to answer your original question. Those are just some of the other reasons and guys around them that I like. Yeah, I mean, you get this. That, that's the main thing with the 1.25, 1.3x guys. Like, you get more of the safety because the chance of them making cut. Like, the cut is the most important thing. Like, your yeah. guy doesn't make the cut, then that's two days where even if they shoot par, that's an extra 40 points almost, 30 points at least. Uh, if they make the cut and they just shoot par throughout the rest of the week, and they're likely getting 30 to 40 points extra. And because of that, like, 1.3x times that, it's huge. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, and at a multiplier, like you said. So that's just yeah. you're losing out on a lot of points at that point. Yeah, but like, yeah, looking down here, like it's all like I know what you're saying about Weir, but at a 1.65x multiplier, like I'm, I'm just going to pull up a random guy over here who was someone that did not finish in the top 25 and the players. Um, well, let, like Weir doesn't even play. Like, so Weir just never shows up. He's on the Champions Tour. He's here because he's a former champion. He's not old by any means, but I'm just saying, like, there's zero way I would play Weir over Fratelli. And I know it's 1.65, but Fratelli's 1.55 and literally came fifth here in November, has a great run on events. He, he just got out of his group at the match play. Like, this is a guy that's on a tear right now and that I would definitely play him over Weir and just sacrifice the point one on the multiplier, I get why maybe, like you said, don't substitute Weir for Poulter because that's a little bit of a decision. 1.25 versus 1.65 makes a world of difference. And they're, you know, what's Poulter? 86% versus 77 or 71, I should say, on that. So there, there's decisions to be made, but I'll play Stewie Sink at 1.5 or 1.55 for Telly over Weir. Weir will have way less ownership, but not that much less ownership than a guy like Stewie Sink, in my opinion, who nobody's really going to go to at 1.5%. He's really cheap on the other sites as well. Just knowing that's his ownership's not going to be out there and I'll, I'll play him for sure. He just won on the PGA tour like four months ago. Yeah. So I'm, I, I just pulled up Kevin now on my other screen looking at the, the American express, he finished 107, didn't make the cut. He got 28 points, finished dead. Even like eight birdies, eight bogeys, 20 pars compared to uh, what is it? The master, the Arnold Palmer invitational where he finished 43rd, obviously not great, but 43rd, he ended up shooting three over or yeah, three over and he ended up with 59 points. So that's the thing that I'm trying to say with weird. If we're, if we're ends up with 59 points at a 1.65 X multiplier, meaning he finishes three over and does it in a fairly consistent way, not going too many birdies and bogeys, which can obviously be detrimental. Uh, if he finishes just like a few over 1.65 X times 59 is what it's 92. Whereas Justin Thomas, um, actually let's look up Spieth. So Spieth obviously just won the players 
No. He just the Valero Texas Open. Yeah, just the Valero. Yeah, yeah. Who won the players? Um, God, I have a horrible memory. It was Justin Thomas. Yeah, that's what I thought. So Correct. Justin Thomas <laughs> ended up with 100 points by shooting 12, 13, 14 under. What we can expect with the Masters likely. He had two birdie streaks, which is probably going to be about similar in the Masters. You expect the winner to probably end up with that. So he shot 13 under, 14 under, and he ended up with 100 points. Like I said, if Weir shoots even, so literally we take Nas score from the Amex Open or the Arnold Permanent Invitational and multiply it by 1.65x, taking away two of the bogeys and instead, or three of the bogeys instead making a par. So he shoots par at a 1.65x, not getting a birdie streak, not getting a bogey free round, which both of which are possible, then he is now at over 100 points. So what are the odds that Weir both makes the cut and ends up uh, shooting even? What do you think the odds are? Extremely low. That, that's where I, your, your piece you're making out here is perfectly right. Like you, you're, you're making a case for the multiplier. My point of making a case is for take the guy with the multiplier that actually can do damage. And like Fratelli would destroy the slate. He would break it wide open if he comes fifth place again. This, this multiplier is ridiculous at 1.55 for the guy that just came fifth. The conditions will be much different, but he's been playing great at all sorts, of course. To give you Mike Weir's form here, miscut, 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 miscut 51st in November when it was gettable at 51st. So that's where I'm saying versus at that same time, while he was coming 51st, Fratelli was coming in fifth. So if you just extrapolate it across and then how good their form is, uh, so Mike Weir has 66 rounds at the Masters. Only six of them are sub 70, four of those when he won the thing. So, which was basically all putter and short game. So that's why I'm always saying I'm out on Weir because I have guys like Fratelli, Longer, Zach Johnson, Sink, that I would be much higher likely to go to there for the same reasons you just said. But I get the, the how important the multiplier is. I guess my bigger question would be, with that being said, how many multipliers are you, do you like to put into your PGA lineups versus we know DJ and Rom are likely to be in the top five here. So I don't do want you, over you know, 30% of a single guy that's at a one X multiplier. Like it's different okay. for every single sport for golf. I don't want more than 30%. So I'll likely have a one X multiplier guy uh, or a 1.5 X or a 1.05. I mean, multiplier guy in every single lineup. like the chances of Thomas, like we, we let's just look at this. Of the 1 and 1.05x multipliers, there's six of them. Those guys have a 29% chance of winning the tournament total, or a 30% yeah. chance almost of winning the tournament total. Take into account top five, on average, there will be 1.3 of them in the top five. And likely, if multiple of them ended up in the top five, if all of them end up in the top five, I'm just done for. And I, I'm most likely done for unless all my high multiplier guys end up in the top 10 top 20 or end up with a bogey free round and a birdie train or two because that's where you're going to end up getting guys that are likely going to be in great shape even at a high multiplier as if they end up with a bogey free round so like do you take that into account over on DraftKings too much like guys that can get a bogey free round I personally don't because it's just like anybody can, like you said, and even at the tougher tracks, it's, it's still possible. So uh, I am looking at things over there where I said, it's like a little bit different of the points that you get where the boomer bust actually is helpful. As long as they make the cut, they can go birdie, birdie, bogey, bogey. And I'm still way ahead 
versus here on Superdraft, it's not quite the same. So I love that you pointed that out. What, my thing is like being what you just said, would you use D like, it sounds like you wouldn't go more than two of these guys in a lineup. If that is that correct? Yeah. I, I, I don't plan on using more than two of these guys in any lineup. Yeah, okay. Like I'll probably have a few Justin Thomas and John Rom lineups together. Um, yeah. But that, and then, that, that, and then pound your multipliers in there after that. And then, let them get in the top 20 while these two finish in the top five with maybe one of them being the winner. And we pick up those hundred points all around the places because of the multipliers down below. Yeah. And the fact that you get in the big tournament, you get 20% up top. So 10 K out 50 K in prizes. Like it makes it a lot more advantageous. And I think it's close to 50% to the top 10. So I'm going for top 10. Like that's what yeah. I'm 100% going for in this tournament. I have 2,300. You don't have to be, you have to be in the what? Point uh, zero five percent percentile 0.05 percentile um which is obviously a lot higher than one percentile if i'm gonna throw 70 lineups in there then i can go very ballsy on a very significant amount of them knowing that i could literally since every there's no salary cap so it's all difference between first and 40th can be a 1v1 swap just one guy that didn't make the cut and obviously that's pretty similar over on DraftKings, but very much like with salary cap you can you rarely have 1v1 swaps like a lot of times it's not going to be too often the difference between playing justin thomas and playing dustin who i'm assuming are pretty close to the same price tag people aren't going to have a ton of 1v1 swaps so i'll have a decent amount but not nearly the same as super draft where we're likely to see we just run look at the highest multiplier there's going to be probably what i would guess 20 percent of lineups with five of six uh or at least four of six of Fratelli, Palmer, um, Cochran, Weir, Scheffler, and Ortiz. Like, that's my guess. Like, maybe it'll be a little bit different. I don't know how many people are going to end up watching the show. But I would expect a lot of lineups to have five of those six guys and then just one different one and probably four of these six guys with either JT or Rom yes. because they are the favorites to win it. So yes, yeah, so, some mixture of those guys at the top for sure. But right here is the key is where you're talking about. This is where you're going to have to make some decisions because everyone's going to have four of these six or four of these seven. If you want to highlight them from the top to the, that you just had there, where they're going to be in on those, where you have to make some decisions and then get a little bit unique there, I think, because we know DJ Rom, JT, you know, etc., Bryce and Rory, those guys are likely to be in the mix coming down Sunday. And they're likely to be in a lot of super draft lineups because they're the favorites, but how many do you use you to solve that maximum of two? And then who are some of the multipliers we can be using? And then how can we get a little bit different within those multipliers? I think it's that sort of next tier. If you go back to the top and we saw Fratelli, but you know, look at Cameron Smith, Abraham Answers, ZJ, Munoz, Sink, Harmon Todd, who we talked about, Homa. These guys won't really get as touched as the guys above that when you can play anybody that you want. So I kind of like that next range. I like the Harmon Todd calls that you brought up earlier, I could definitely see playing Homa uh, burger. If you wanted to go as like a second guy and leave it out, it's going to be unique because most people say, oh, it's only 1.15. It's not enough when I can just get a for sure thing, what they'll call a for sure thing in a ROM or a JT where maybe burger beats them. And he absolutely could win this whole tournament. People have been saying that for a while. So I think he's a sneakier quote unquote stud at the top that you could plug in with your ROM burger instead of everyone else has ROM JT and he's still good value. And look at Patrick Reed. Guy just won this tournament a couple of years ago in similar conditions. Yeah, but where you need to hate him. They I do, but do. that that means lower owned, though, right? That's what we're looking for. Yeah. If if someone's gonna have Rom JT, 
it could easily be Rahm and Reed down the stretch on Sunday or JT and Reed down the stretch if he's just having one of those weeks. And that's where you're looking to get a little bit unique and get a little bit different in your lineups and then still use those multipliers from the top. All right. So, yeah, all great stuff. Now, this is where I actually need your advice because just this is where my strategy was kind of going, like looking at the projections, looking at people who are likely to play different guys. I know all these guys up top, Ortiz, Zach Johnson, probably going to come in fairly highly owned at the 1.4 X. People are going to forget about other guys for, for Tilly. For Tilly, we are both guys that are going to be decently highly owned. So guys I'm looking at that I don't think are going to come in at high ownership that I have no idea if they're great golfers or if they grade out well. I'm just looking straight up at RG projections. I see there's two for, I don't even know how to say McIntyre. Yeah, Bobby um, Mac, Rob, Robbie McIntyre. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know why that, I thought that was an L at first. I got thrown off there, but McIntyre, Kuchar, Perez, Schwartzel. I know Charles, I've, that Charles has been around for a while. But these four guys are all between 1.3x and 1.45x with over an 80% chance to make the cut. Again, making the cut is absolutely key in this tournament where the scores are going to be under par. And these guys are likely to end up under par. If they end up making the cut, they're likely to end up under par. So these four guys with all around a 4 to 6% chance at the top 10, 16 plus percent chance at top 20, which is what you need. A top 20 guy at a 1.4 X multiplier is better than a one a X guy or a 1.05 X guy getting second or third. So I don't know much about McIntyre. I don't know much about Kuchar, Perez, Schwartzel, how good they've been in recent years. Obviously Kuchar won a tournament last year. I know that just because he stiffs his caddy um, and he's just a general a-hole apparently. But these guys all have decent shots at ending up in the top 20, which is likely going to end around th- minus three to minus one would be my guess. These guys, if they end up shooting that at their high enough multiplier, they'll be getting over 60 points, which means if the winner gets it at 1x, they're getting 100 points. So they will actually be the same as if Jason Thomas won it in all likelihood, depending on how he ends up winning it. Agreed. Yeah. And goes with what you said earlier, where if a 10 under type of thing takes it down, that could be 100. And these guys would certainly be there. So for me, Kucher and Schwartzel would be sort of the the plays that, you know, should get played at those multipliers, but probably won't just because again, you talked about knowing Schwartz. So obviously 1.45 masters record is good as is Kuchar's Kuchar just had himself a decent week at the Valero Texas open after getting all the way to the finals uh, and then sorry, semifinals and then going out to uh, win the, the third place matchup, the consolation consolation matchup, surprisingly enough over Victor Perez, who I'd have as the third ranked guy there. He's been playing some really good golf, uh, made the cut on the number at the players He's got Rory McIlroy's old caddy on his bag, uh, ended up top 10-ing the players after making an 18-footer to make the cut that I just spoke about. Had himself a good match play, getting all the way to the semifinals and then going out, uh, end up coming in fourth, losing to Kuchar in the match play. Bobby Mack is a left-hander, which suits the course. Got himself a pretty good game, also had an okay match play, but he is a first-timer as well, and it's a little bit more scary in that sense. So I like Kuchar, I like Perez, and then, of course, Schwartzel with the 1.45. McIntyre, I could probably let him go there and play somebody else, maybe Lanto at a 1.3 or just play your Harmon or Todd to do a lot more than he probably does. Top 20 type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm just looking at the Masters leaderboard from 2019. Obviously, 2020 was a weird one because that entire year was very weird. And gosh, I love seeing Tiger, Tiger's picture winning. That was, oh, yeah. that was just beautiful. Um, so obviously, 62 guys made the cut. 62 of 88 or 82. 
So obviously having the ties in there, the cut percentage is pretty drastic considering top 50 out of 88, that roughly goes to 62%. Um, if you include ties, it's probably 72% of people are gonna be making the cut. That roughly sound about right? Yeah, that's actually pretty much exactly where I'm thinking. You know, that's the thing too. And then, you know, I just pulled the leaderboard up with you because I want to be on the same page. And you look at that leaderboard, I mean, Kucher's there, but, you know, Harding's there, which to me, that would be like Victor Perez, somebody who's just hot, European, most don't know him, coming in in good form, coming in hot. And, and now you can play him for, you know, this multiplier. I like Perez, I like Kucher. But if you look at that leaderboard, like Spieth and Scott rounded out the top 20, Mickelson, JT, Poulter, Bubba, Ricky, Rom, Cantley. So, you know, playing two of those guys up top is not a bad thing. And then mixing in some of these multipliers. I don't hate, like you said, Kucher, Perez, Harmon, Todds. Those are the types that are going to get you there and be able to sneak in a top 10. And anything, I think now just going through it with you, Grant, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like feels like you almost need 1.3 or more out of your last four guys. Like like those, it's going to happen. Those guys are going to show up. The guys that we just talked about, have a really good chance of being in the mix there. And if you look at the overall numbers, you can get away with it. But I, once you have your two guys, you know, 1.15 and below that you talked about, it's almost like you said, there's Fratelli, there's Palmer, there's Munoz, there's Sink, there's all these guys that you can talk about. And then we just went through the 1.4s and 1.45s, Schwartzel, Kucher, like those are the guys that can get you the top 20 and they'll get you enough points because they'll be at 60 points, like you said which then puts them over a hundred or at a hundred like a guy winning this thing at 10 or 1200. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's always different every single tournament and this, the tournament where, like I said, it's, it's not super low scoring, but it's low scoring enough where you don't have to live in the 1.6 X range and just hope your guy makes the cut with that. So many people making the cut higher multiplier is better, but getting the safety, getting six people through. So you can throw in Scheffler, Cameron Smith answer, um, Connors, Berger, and then Justin Thomas. And likely you're going to end up with all six guys through um, probably a 50% chance that one of them doesn't make it 25% chance that two of them don't end up making it. Uh, but you can live in this range because they can end up, all those guys can end up in the top 10 very easily, or at least the top 15, which is where you're going to get a whole bunch of things, especially if it's JT the, is the one that wins it. And the 1.3 X guys are the ones that are in the 15 to 20 range. Like there's a lot of different ways things can turn out and it's kind of planning your build, like, which you don't net gen, like, do you correlate a lot in golf? I don't even know it's, how you, it's very hard to do. We talked about it on the previous show. And if you get a, an opportunity to, I like to, because you can use things like weather stacks as an example, or maybe if it's a bomber's yeah. track, you could say, okay, all bombers, but it's really tough beyond that to get too much correlation in golf. So here it's kind of like the course history factor would be maybe the only way, but I kind of like what you're saying. And I think also too, the, the Scheffler Smith answer lineups might go a little bit overlooked when people can get higher multipliers on Fratelli, Palmer, Kokrak, Weir, Streb, Longer, those guys we looked at. And, and I just don't think they have nearly as good of a chance where if you got top twenties and top tens out of the Scheffler Smiths and answers, which is probably way more likely to happen. And the numbers show it to be true as well. Look at them 24, 25 and 24% to top 10 it. That to me is more likely to happen at a tougher track like Augusta, little bit of experience, all of these factors. Uh, so yeah, it's to me, it's all about how you set up your build. Yeah. Yeah. And so something else interesting, I just, I'm in a legal state as I've already said. So DJ, where's Spieth? Where's Spieth? Why am I not seeing Spieth? Wow. He's going to be popular too. What's he got a 1.2 scroll down. 
yeah, yeah speed's 1. at 1.2 sergio what's sergio sergio's at 1.2 reads at a 1.15 so over on dk what do you think the odds are for those four to make the cut it's pretty high all, almost all of them will make the cut i would say it's plus 100 there you go for all four to make the cut so you're throwing six golfers in if you have 1.15 1.2 1.2 and 1x i mean obviously they don't perfectly correlate to vegas odds and realistically you can do things a whole lot of different ways but if you just look at that the chances of one of them not making the cut is 50 50 yeah so it's plus 100 action um grand over on dk if you guys want you can get them at plus 150 because they boosted it but 50 percent chance so if you're throwing you want six guys through and the difference between that and going with guys at 1.3 and 1.35x which they're going to end up around plus two to minus four most likely you're getting more points from them because it's only a difference of five points and that multiplier makes it drastically higher yeah so knowing that just the four random guys from one to 1.2x like i know that jt's minus 1000 in order to make the cut dustin johnson is i'm actually going to look at the cut numbers according to the dk sportsbook and then we'll get out of here uh because we've obviously gone on for a decent amount of time so to make the cut um who's the highest odds should be jt bryson's at minus 1000 dj i believe is at minus 1000 guy like stenson's at plus 180 so a fun way to do this, like, by the way, Charles is at, Charles is at minus 134. Zach Johnson's at minus 170. So Zach Johnson, that is the reason why he grades out as one of the top plays, um, mm-hmm. just based on that, because we're going off the ROMs at minus 1,000. I'm sure all the guys, Justin Thomas, minus 1,000. So all the four of those guys, like, you parlay them together. So if we were to parlay Justin Thomas, and obviously there's a decent amount of juice on these, so it's not going to be perfect odds. JT, Ram. Come on. Why isn't it clicking? If you if you parlay the four top guys, so these four guys, there's an 80% chance that they end up making all making the cut, but there's still a 20% chance. So people playing four 1X guys, there's still a 20% chance that your lineup's drawing dead because you have no high multipliers. Like your lineup's entirely drawing dead, no matter what, because you have all 1X guys and 1.05X guys, no multipliers. If you do the top six guys, parlay it to make the cut, you're probably getting around my guess would be minus 120. So there's a 60% chance all six of these guys end up making the cut. And that's not great odds. Like that's not great odds. That's not going to be a tournament winning lineup. So that's the kind of rationale with the cut line, with the percentages in order to fade those guys. But yeah, that's that's basically- I, I, I do like our strategy quite a bit of what we're doing. Now you can mix and match who your two guys are of those six that we just talked about at the top and do that as your sort of two V twos, if you will. But I certainly like playing those values that we talked about because all they have to do, like you talked about ZJ there, what is he minus minus one seventy to make the cut? You just said like, that's huge odds to make the cut. It's so likely. And he can just put up his 60 points that will convert to 100 by the end of the thing and just do it that way. So there's a bunch of different ways to look at it. I guess I was just going to say one last thing before we get out of here, but do people look at the outright odds? and build their lineup that way because DJ is like eight to one favorite to win this thing. The defending champion Spieth is has moved all the way up the board to in most places, 10 to one or 12 to one. And he's 1.2. So like, Spieth I could see a lot shocky. of, lo- and he's yeah, not I, like, we know that Spieth is wildly erratic. Am I right, right in saying that? 
Oh yeah. I, I think he's going to be extremely owned here though at that 1.2, because, you know, I'm guessing these were out beforehand and it could even be increased now, but like yeah, 1.2, it's already posted. So people are going to take that for sure. He's a uh, second in the betting odds to win the tournament. And he just won a tournament last week. He's back all the media coverage, you name it. So it would make sense to me that that's where your lineups, most people's lineups are starting and you can look for ways to get different based upon that as well. Yeah. And something to be said about Vegas lines, while they are generally really sharp, things like golf, where there's a pretty drastic amount of juice uh, from what I've seen, because so many people bet on so many different things. Like they make a killing, I believe on golf. Um, It's all public perception. People saw Spieth win last week. Therefore they think he's going to win while he's currently projected at a, let's see what it is. Plus one eleven fifty is his current odds. That's projecting him at around a, what nine percent chance of winning. Uh, if he wins nine out of every hundred times, that's how often you end up. You will you will break even over time. But we look at his odds according to RG projections. It's one point five nine. It's not that good. Whereas a guy like Rom, still not even great odds. Um, but you look at win percentage and you go. Let's see. Let's look at. We need someone that's over 20 or over plus 2,000. So Cantley, we don't see Cantley up here. Shoffley, we don't see Shoffley too far up here, but we see him at four. Him, according to our projections, as of right now, these are still Monday. They'll, things will change throughout the week. They're still tweaking him. Yeah. He is a 4%, meaning one out of 25 right here that correlates nicely because he's at plus 2,600, meaning that that's giving him roughly a 4.8% chance of winning. So yeah. He's kind of the right number, but even then, like you said, they just juice it up all day and take what they can because speed is not going to win this thing nine out of a hundred times, especially not by these numbers that we're looking at. So they're just racking it in. They just don't want to get crushed either. But at the same time, uh, I'm sure they're collecting plenty of money on speed right now and enjoying it. Cause what are the chances he goes back to back? He could happen, but the odds say it's not very likely. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then an interesting guy here, like I'm trying to find someone with a high multiplier and it looks like Connors is, likely the guy because he's according to vegas odds like we're our projections are a bit higher on him i'm scrolling down he's 80 to 1 and we have him at a 2.89 percent chance of winning um so he's a guy that's at 1.2 x which is right around everyone else like bubba answer and all those other guys we have a much higher rate than vegas does which is could be a good thing could be off who knows like it all depends on which site you're on anyways there's probably another site where he's at plus four thousand I wouldn't be surprised if over at something like Fox bet, he was at plus 4,000 because they give worse odds. So it's different from side to side. Obviously you can find drastic disparities. Same thing with NBA futures, but yeah, something to look at, but we got to get out of here. Any last minute thoughts? No, it was awesome, man. Thank you for everything. I appreciate it. I'm learning as I go too. I'm going to be playing a lot over there this week with this setup and try and figure it out and put together some of these lineups. I will not have, I might have to have one Mike Weir lineup just for you. Let's say that for the Canadian brethren, and for the fact that you kind of liked him and he's popping, and I don't think many will play him. Maybe I'll do one Mike Weir lineup just for Grant. But this was awesome, man. I appreciate you doing this with me. Yeah, no problem, guys. It's been fun. Again, we will have, if you look in the comment section, we have this sheet there. So you can look at the sheet. You can look at the RG projections, what they currently have for Super Draft. It might change a little bit, but they shouldn't change too drastically. But yeah, see who the top plays are there. You can help figure out what you want for cash, what you want for tournaments. Get in that tournament. Sign up using the promo code GRINDERS. Get that nice little $50 deposit bonus that is immediately usable so bam deposit 50 you got four entries into their 25 dollars tournament they go bust you're out 50 bucks 
they actually get back even money, you're up $50. It's that simple. Plus a nice little deposit drip. I suggest playing over at Superdraft. Overlay all the time. They're trying to acquire new customers. Caesars Entertainment is partnered with them. So you can get status over at Caesars Resort. I'm planning on spending a whole lot of time this summer as soon as I'm vaccinated at all the Caesars resorts across the nation because I should be getting seven star status just strictly through Super Draft, which is always nice. But guys, it's been fun. Good luck on your Masters weekend. I'm going to be tuned in the entire time. We're out of here. See you, kids.